give Jesus Christ a bigger praise. Yeah, Hallelujah. Father, you are the King. You are the Lord. We, Lord, give you a shout of exclamation in this house. Lord, be Bethel amongst us today. Be awesome in this place. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. We praise you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. That's far more appropriate. Thank you. God bless you. Um, Karen, do you want to just talk about Hope House? Because I think that's uh, worth talking about too. So, Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, I'm not sure how many of you don't know about it, but we actually have the privilege of having a house made available for, um, for us to rent at Southside Care. And we have... Um, we have had a fa- one family in there already and we also were able to um, house a couple whose house burnt down in Kelmscott just recently. So this is emergency couple. accommodation. So in between um, families moving in and moving out, um, I believe it is a God thing that we actually had that house available for them because it's not, they're not a Christian ca- couple. The people that are coming into the house aren't Christians when they come in, but they get to know about the love of Jesus. Yeah. They get to know the people that um, that are at Champion Lakes care about the community. They care about people not just in the church but also outside of the church. Um, and so we were able to um, house this couple for a couple of nights. Um, and it's, it's funny how things happen because DC, uh, DCP um, contacted us and said, we know that you always come up with something. <laughs> Can you please come up with something for this Thank couple? So it's, it's nice the when the government rings you up, doesn't yeah. it? It says you can do things that we it, can't that's do. That's right. They, they, like government departments can't do it, but the church can. Hallelujah. So that's a God thing. Hallelujah. We just give God the glory for that. Yeah. So we've got our first family moving in um, that's a uh, victim of domestic uh, potential victim of domestic violence um that they're moving in this week and so please pray for the 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 woman and her children um that they will get to know the guys in youth because there's about four children so that we'll be able to connect them with children's ministry we'll be able to connect them to the playground we'll be able to connect them with youth women's ministry that you know that there will be connections made not just house over their head right. and people praying for them so just pray, pray for those connections as, as we go along and thank Jesus thank you Lord that's exciting isn't it yeah yeah let's uh, give Karen a, uh, you know recognize that and stuff so Gemma you want to have a little testimony you're okay for that yeah let's give Gemma a call this is you know I love this church because it's just full of miracles now, to have Asher Thompson up here giving us cheek when he couldn't even know, you know, it's a miracle to see that. And everywhere I look in this house, there are just miracles of God's lifting growth. Here's another miracle. Well, I just, um, this morning I just got up and we actually went for a walk to the most beautiful spot um, just in Bungaroo. Is it Bungaroo Park? Wongong Park? And just to overlook Armadale, it was just so beautiful. And um, I just just coming to church I just felt like I was coming home like I just really love you guys and um, Pastor Mike and Jess and that and just the hundreds of other people that came to visit me in hospital I just really want to thank you and honor you where honor's due because you really know somebody when you're really like at your lowest point and to the point of not wanting to be alive to having people actually 
show you um, just that, what's that love called? Agape love. And God just really, um, he really met me where I was at to a point where I had crutches in my life. Like, you know how you have the, that person that you always run to um, that um, you can identify with. Well, that person just got stripped off my life. And God did a lot of stripping and um, praise God for the olive branch that um, they talk about in Romans, how no matter um, where it is, it just begins to um, blossom. Mm. And I really believe that um, God met me where I was at. I, um, people thought I was in a hospital with other crazy people. And people thought because I started speaking about God and God was showing me revelation after revelation, Pastor Mike was preaching about Joseph and I was reading the same week about Joseph. <laughs> and um, just God met me where I was at and I was being able to witness to other people that um, had been locked away for years. Like I, wow. I talked to serial killers mm. um, who were killing pedophiles because they were like, well, I'm doing God's work because I'm killing other people that are harming people. Mm. And I was just like, no, <laughs> let's sit down for a little while. <laughs> and... Um, I, w I just met some amazing people, the staff there. They were just um, awesome, met other Christians along the way. And, yes, I felt like Paul being locked, locked in a dungeon sometimes, but um, wouldn't change it for the world because I am saved by grace Hallelujah. And, and redeemed by love. Hallelujah. Saved by grace and redeemed by love. Shema, I think that's the title of a great book. Absolutely. That's a great story there. And uh, good to have you in church too. Many miracles here. And want to welcome AJ to church this morning. Here's another miracle in the making. So give us a wave, AJ. God bless you. Have a talk to him later. He's uh, just about to uh, really get serious with God. So that's, that's awesome, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. So um, this morning we're going to start a another series on something I've never done before in church life, so uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different, but our church seems to do better when there's series happening and we drill down a little bit deeper on the Word of God. So welcome to church. Thank you for gathering with God and God's people this morning. We appreciate you making the time available. And so we're going to look at the book of Esther for a few weeks. Now, Esther is... Uh, an interesting book in that it uh, almost didn't get into the Bible. There are two books in the Bible that are named after women. Girls, hello. You got, you got on the top of two of them, so that's not too bad. And so we're going to look at this incredible story. It's part love story. There's drama. There's political intrigue. There's betrayal. There's all sorts of going on. And what I want to be able to do today is particularly just perhaps give a bit of a background and then take the central thought of the book of Esther, unpack that for us, and hopefully God will speak to our hearts. Is that okay? Dear Father, thank you that you've come already, Holy Spirit, that you're in the building, and Lord, you're here to do business. Lord, help this uh, uh, preacher to clearly communicate something that has inspiration and anointing that will help change us forever in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So one of the great things, and you know, something that Carolyn almost touched on as well, is this whole idea, it's, it's funny, strange, peculiar, how when you're with God, that things just sort of like happen. That there are coincidences 
or you might want to prefer to call them God incidences. It's, you know, life is either going to be accidental or providential. And what the book of Esther really does is actually unlock this idea that God is a God who somehow keeps his hand. It's a hidden hand, but he keeps his hand on history. And that even today, the fact that you are here is not an accident. It's actually providence. So, you know, we think that we make these choices, but then these things happen, like with the, you know, the House of Hope. We were going to do this, and that didn't happen. But then a couple who are unsaved, a pensioner couple, the house burns down in Kelmscott. They've got nowhere to go, and we had a spare house. Now, is that coincidence, or is it God incidence? Is it accidental, or is it providential? One of the great messages of the book of Esther is that God's hand is there, and it's hidden, but he's holding on to us. Hallelujah. That is an incredible help to us all. So just very quickly, the next slide, we look at some of the background. The book of Esther relates particularly to this uh, period of time when the Jews were uh, away in exile. Short history lesson, God uh, calls the people of Israel. They settle in what's now known, now known as Palestine, uh, the area of Israel. They settle there. Uh, there's some challenges come. They're not living according to the ways of God. And so God sends them a prophet. And he says that if you don't live according to my ways, then things are going to happen. And Leviticus chapter 26, verse 23 says, if you do some good things, then good things are going to happen. But if you do bad things, some bad things are going to happen. And one of the bad things that's going to happen is that I will remove you from the land. I'll disperse you to the nations. And so the Assyrians came down in 721 BCE and they took away the ten northern kingdoms of Israel and they've been basically lost to the sands of time. They're gone. Can't find them anymore. Unless you get into some quirky things where you think the Queen of, the queen of uh, England is the, one of the long lost ten tribes and you get some strange and funny things and so on, that sort of thing. But no, they're gone. And so these ten tribes were lost. Judah was captured by Babylon. A later empire came down to take it away into captivity for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, God promises that he will return Judah to the nation. And that's why we've got Jews. Jews come from Judah and they live in Israel today. But guess what? Not everybody left Babylon. Not everybody left. And we're going to dig a little bit further into this because today, I think a lot of us, we're in the church, but we still haven't left Babylon. We're still engaged with the commerce. We haven't taken the journey to be pilgrims, traveling the journey to go and rebuild God's glory upon the earth. Now, a group of people did leave. They returned to the nation of Jerusalem. They started to build the temple again. And yeah, that's where you get the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. But some stayed. Now, Esther is one of the families, one, her family chose to stay. And you see there's a great challenge there of living in modern Babylon as it was in those days, they had over 70 temples. Everywhere you looked, there was a temple covered in gold and jewels and there's idolatry everywhere, certain prosperity. And in Psalm 137, we get that song, By the Rivers of Babylon. You know, they, they mocked us to sing the songs of Zion. Please sing. How can we sing the Lord's song 
in a strange land. You know, sometimes it's hard to sing in church about the victory of God and about what He's doing in the earth because sometimes we feel like we're in a strange land. You know, we have to go out and live in that world that's still full of materialism and selfishness and all the stuff that's out there. And so God's wanting to return and do something. So Esther's left here. Her Jewish name is Hadassah. I think Hadassah's a nice name. Hadassah. Uh, her... her Persian name is Esther. It's probably built on this whole whole idea of to hide. It's this key to the book of Esther that Esther's been hidden in the palace. That God's hand is on things. But it's hidden. It's not directly obvious what God's doing. It's not like with Joseph with his dreams and revelations. There's no prophecy. Here she is. It's an incredible time in the life of Israel as a nation because, again, there's this plot to exterminate them as a people. And as we get further into the story, you'll find out how God twists it and he brings about deliverance. And today, Orthodox Jews and cultural Jews will still celebrate the Feast of Purim or the Feast of Loss based upon the story that when uh, Haman wanted to uh, choose uh, the right day to wipe out the Jews across the Persian Empire, he threw dice, he threw lots, and through astrology he tried to work out the right time. And so, you know that God actually controls the roll of the dice. Either it's accidental, or it's fate, or it's providential, and it's God. So that's the basic background. One of the things, next slide, thank you, that is very interesting about the book of Esther, it almost did not get into into the Bible. You got your Bible there, and you turn up to the book of Esther, It's just a few short chapters, but it almost did not get into the book. In fact, of all the the different letters, the 66 books of the Bible, of all the ones that were there, Esther was the most disputed book. And the reason for that is that from chapter 1, verse 1, through to the end of the book, God is not mentioned. God's not there. And so the Orthodox rabbis and the Jews have disputed this over and over again. Even at Qumran, and I had the privilege of studying the Dead Sea Scrolls in Hebrew and uh, looking at the book of Esther, and it only has a small fragment in Qumran, but it got there. Interesting. So almost didn't get there. But isn't that sometimes like life? That, you know, you go one week after another week after another week and you could be faithful, you could be reading your Bible, you could be going to church, you know, being generous with your, with your substance and stuff. You could be doing all that. And if, you go, ah, if I was to stop you in the street and say, have you seen the hand of God on your life this week? Today, many of us would say, no, I haven't. And I'd say, well, when did you last see, you know, God come through in a special and miraculous way where his hand came out of history and penetrated, intervened into your direct life? When was the last time you saw God in that overt and obvious way? You know, there'd be some of us who would say, yeah, thank you, Jesus, that was me last week. Gemma can say, last week, God came through for in an amazing way. Hallelujah. AJ can say that as well. But for some of us, we would say, well, Pastor Mike, to be honest, that's not my experience. You know, I've had this thing happen to me. 
I've got a, an illness, I've got a problem with my business, my relationship. I'm in trouble. I'm in the place of stress. I'm in the place of being stretched. And yet, I can't see God's hand in it all. Sometimes you get to that place. True? Is this real to life? And so we walk in faith, sometimes in blind obedience. Sometimes we're not even particularly good at that. We, we stray and we drift. Uh, Esther is not actually a good Jewish girl. She's in the wrong place at the wrong time in the wrong culture. And yet God's hand is still on it. Somehow, not obvious, not there, but his hidden hand is holding history there that he might be able to do his ultimate plan and purpose. God has a plan and his plan is he's going to save this world, redeem it, recreate it, and we're going to see some awesome things happen. So it's controversial that it got there already. Now, I bought One Night with the King, a Hollywood-style presentation of the story of Esther. And my view is at the end of this particular series, we'll actually have an evening and we'll actually put up the movie screens and we'll watch Esther. Just I hate the movie. It's a chick flick. <laughs> I want more blood and guts. There's not enough violence. They don't blow enough stuff up in it and stuff. You know, who's with me? <laughs> the only thing I don't like about it, I am a Bible scholar. Forgive me. I, I, I may not be a very good Bible scholar, but I do want to try and unpack the Bible as honestly as it can. And it's not that close with the text. Hollywood's done its stuff to it. But we might, we'll see where we go. Is that okay? So um, here's this controversial thing. So here's the good news, friends. Say to, say to me, Mike, tell me the good news. The good news is, even when you can't see God, even when you can't hear God, even when you can't feel God, God can still be there right in the midst of your life. That's good news. You may not have had something be written up in fluorescent lights, someone for smoke in a plane doing loopies today saying, you know, Mike, I love you and it's going to be okay. You may not have that stuff, but the book of Esther tells us that God is still there and his plan is still going to work out in your life. That is good news to me. And so as we just move through a little bit into the book of Esther, its main idea, if we could just move to the next slide, is based around Esther chapter 4, verse 14. If we had time, we'd go into the fact and show you that there's a chiastic structure going on. For those who've heard me preach before, you understand what I mean. There's a literal structure going on. And there's a turning point with the whole story. It advances in order to a certain point, And then there's this twist in the plot. There's that turn. A good movie has sometimes unpredictable turn in the plot, isn't there? And the unpredictable turn is that all of a sudden, God turns the tables for the benefits of his people. And Esther 4.14 talks about this when her uncle, now her adopted father Mordecai, says to her, who knows, but perhaps for the kingdom, you've come for just such a time as this. Who knows? Just perhaps everything that's happened to you is for now, for where you are right now. There's incredible power with that idea that 
everything that's happened to Terry and to Jeff and to Mike and to James and to Tristan and to Michael Ham and to Fleecy and all, everything that's happened, even though it hasn't had dust say of the Lord on it and it's been written up in lights and it's been prophesied, but perhaps just everything in it is to get you to this place at this time for God's calling, for God's reason. There is power and understanding that it's not accident, but it's provident. That even what's happened to you that's bad and that has come across and has hurt and perhaps uh, scratched you along the way, in God's economy, He can use that to save the people of God, to bring about deliverance, to bring about victory, to change our community, to affect our schools, to change the council to actually see righteousness come to the streets, to see people set free of drugs, to home the homeless. Perhaps you're here for a reason. And that even though God hasn't said to you, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt attend Champion Lakes Christian Church, or thou shalt do this, but maybe you're just here in the providence of God, that God has a plan. You see, what had happened to Esther isn't a good deal. You know, we, we could romanticize it, but the truth was her family, when the call came out for her to leave Babylon, a nation famous for its idolatry, but also a very wealthy city. You've heard about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. I mean, it would have been a magnificent city, but full of idolatry and all sorts of stuff that was displeasing to God. When the call came for Esther to live purely, to walk out, to follow the prophetic now word of God, she stayed behind. Her family stayed behind. If you were being judgmental, you could say she's in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. Now, we don't know whether she was in a position where she had any choice over that. She was probably a young girl when the decision came to not go back with the exiles. So she might have only been a 12-year-old girl. She might have even been 14. So she's not really in a position where she has a choice if mum and dad or her uncle Mordecai says, we're not going back. Friends, you can be born in a family that's not serving God. You can be born in a situation, you can have a development where it wasn't all your fault. It wasn't all your choice. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you know, for stuff that happened around you was not actually directly within your control and things happen. But there's God's hand still. It's hidden and it's still holding her. Even though she's not in the right place, she grows up. She's obviously an attractive girl. And they have this, um, I don't know, do you call it the Persian Idol contest? <laughs> this is seriously, big deal where, you know, they go through the whole empire and they bring in every woman that's attractive to look at and then they give them actually beauty treatments for a year. <laughs> for a whole year. My wife only takes four hours, you know. <laughs> it was a joke. Come on, she's not here. She doesn't know, she, unless you tell her. <laughs> A whole year she goes for beauty treatments and she ends up being a part of the harem of the Prince of Persia. Who knows this is not what a Jewish girl dreams of doing. This is not what the dream is. And then through a whole range of processes she ends up 
in the place where she can make a difference. And here is this thing. She ends up in the place of making a difference. Now, this is the way that providence works. Providence is God's way of doing business when he's not doing a miracle. And God does miracles. Hallelujah. But he doesn't do them every week. Does he? Miracles are by nature extraordinary events. So God's ordinary means of looking after you is through providence. Now, it's entirely possible that after we've had our AGM, you could go out to the, the, to the uh, cafe and you could sit down and say prayers and say, Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll make my coffee supernaturally appear. Thank you, Lord. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Okay, let's pray again. <laughs> Sometimes what God does, he puts three bucks in your pocket because you've worked that week and you go and buy the coffee. Most times God does things through providence. And so he's always working. He's always there even when you can't see him. When you think you've got the wrong job, you've got the right job. When you think you've got the wrong partner, you've got the right partner. When you think you've got the wrong challenge, you've got the right challenge. Because God is doing his wonderful, mysterious work underneath it all to build his kingdom, to build something in his life. And who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for just such a time as this. Now, the thing about providence is that you'll never understand the providence of God looking forward. We can't see what God's doing providentially when we look forward in our life. You only understand the providence of God in the now of life looking backwards. That's when you understand providence. It's not looking forward. It's not saying, well, God, why am I here? I can't see what you're doing. You understand what God's doing in the moment of revelation that perhaps God's in this, that perhaps God's been working the chessboard here, perhaps I'm in the right situation for the right reasons, and you look back over your life and then you see, yes, there's an alignment of circumstances taking place here. Maybe the reason why I'm beautiful, hallelujah, maybe the reason that I'm in the prince's uh, palace now, hallelujah, maybe the reason that I'm going to be selected by the king is for a reason to save people. Maybe the reason why you struggled with education is that one day you get a passion to come and sit with a young person in our community and teach him to read. Hallelujah. Maybe the reason why you've struggled with an illness in your body is that God's going to set you free one day. You'll be able to sit down and pray the prayer of faith and see them set free. Maybe the reason why you've been exposed to mental torture and whatever so you can come to a place of hope. Maybe the reason why you've struggled financially is so you're going to say to someone, I know that God will look after you, that he'll pay the bills. Maybe there's a reason to it. Doing my best. I'm doing my best. So you look back in it. Hey, I left home at 14 years of age. You know, my parents, you know, my dad was immoral. Mum found out, suffered from manic depression, attempted suicide, got to that place where, you know, I'm breaking down the bathroom door to discover my mother naked in a bath of bloody water. Excuse my language, but it was bloody water. To pull her out of the bath and call for the ambulance. 
And then for the next day, my father would say, things are going to be different now, your mum's gone. And for me to say, okay, you want to sort it out, Dad? We'd go outside. And I left home that day. I wasn't thrown out of home, I left home. And I walked on the streets, lived by my wits, joined a gang, stole. Maybe, looking back, maybe just for such a time as this, God has brought me into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You know, providence. You know, when you talk about what happened at Dunkirk, here are the, the Allies being pushed to the very edge of the uh, Great Channel. And they could die... And uh, they had to send in the fishing boats. They sent in this flotilla of boats and stuff to try and rescue thousands and thousands of the Allies. And at that particular time, Winston Churchill said, pray. And as the boats went forward, providentially, a fog came upon. And they wouldn't be able to be seen by the German planes and the side of planes. It's providence. Looking back, you can see what God's doing. It's providence. And this is the deal. Can you get to this space that Esther got to, that says, just perhaps, I'm being told by Mordecai. He was, he was Esther's preacher on the day. Mordecai was just saying, hey, hey, can you look at what's happened to you? Can you look at the circumstances of your life? Can you see there's a pattern? Can you look back down that pathway and understand it could be for a reason? Are you in a place today where by the Holy Spirit you could say, just perhaps, just maybe, just who knows but god has allowed me to be where i am today with the experiences that i've had with the challenges i've had for a reason and that reason is to see the people of god grow get free hallelujah you know something that is so powerful so powerful if you understand providence Stories told of a musician who's gone to uh, the uh, Starbucks, New York City, apparently the best Starbucks in the world. He and his uh, mate go there and they do a little bit of music and just kick back a few numbers, sing some songs. They've got their guitar case open and people throw in some tips and had adds to the shop. Apparently you get better tips there than anywhere else in the world. That's just right there in the heart of New York City. And they're there one particular morning, and they're playing away, and they're singing some nice 70s songs and some songs from the 60s. No one sings songs from the 2000s. (laughs) There's no good music. Don't go there. They're singing all those songs. They're taking requests. And all of a sudden, uh, there's this lady who's there, and she's singing... uh, a song, you know, Lift Me Up With Your Wings. It's a, it's a love song, I think, Lift Me Up With Your Wings, something like that. And obviously she's got a great voice, a great voice. And so she comes out, people clap her, and, and it says, is there something else you'd like to sing? And she turns to the guys on the guitar, and they've got a little bit of percussion going, says, uh, yeah, do you know any hymns? And the guy says, I was raised in church. <laughs> you pull out the hymn book, I can play it <laughs> and stuff. And she says, well, what, what would you like to do? And he says, oh, I don't know. I mean, um, do you know his eyes on the sparrow? And she just goes a little bit deadpan, a little bit emotionless there. For some, yeah, we can do that. 
So he starts to play. She belts out this tune like she sang in the choir a whole life. She's got this incredible voice. And out comes this great song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And he cares. And tears start to come down her face. And, uh, you know, something's going on. The, the Bristol machine's not working. That stopped. No one's grinding coffee. Everybody's got the coffee down. And they're looking at this incredible moment caught in time. And uh, when it all finishes, people get stand up and give a standing ovation. Incredible sort of a moment. And obviously the song had touched her deeply. And so the musician said to us, you know, what, why, why the song, you know, why that? And said, well, my 16-year-old girl, she just died this week from a brain tumor. And her most favorite song in all the world was I Am The Sparrow. And uh, as she was dying, in those last few moments, she asked me to sing. And she died. Peace, a smile on her face, going off into eternity. Because she cares for you. An incredible moment, really. Was it an accident that they were in that coffee shop on that day with her coming in Sing the songs. Friends, faith will come down to this moment that happened for Esther. Is your life an accident? Do you just happen to be here because you didn't leave and your parents are dad and all this stuff? Or is there actually something called destiny? Is there actually something called purpose and meaning? And that even when you can't see the hand of God, even when he's not sending you in the mail saying, by the way, Mike, I'm going to get you to that cafe at that time for that reason. Even when you can't see it moving forward. Maybe just today you can look back and see that God's in your life. That God cares for you. And his eyes on the sparrow and he's on you as well. And nothing will be wasted. Nothing will be wasted. You may know, think that the time you spend in the wilderness was wasted. You may think that time... This is, but if you let God be God, He's moving and working. His hand is hidden, but He's holding you. And no man, no weapon, nothing on earth, nothing below the earth, nothing present, nothing past, nothing future can pull you out of the hand of God. Now, I want, to be, want you to be clear on this. You can jump out of the hand of God. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. You can walk away from destiny. You can walk away from a life of meaning and purpose and changing the world and make it different, making it better. Or you can stay in a hand that's strong and will never let you go. It can be accidental or it can be providential. Why did God send me to this church? Oh, dear Lord, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I should be, I, I, you know, why this church? Why so hard? Why so difficult? Well, I look back and see providence. Providence. Do you know, this, this is a very interesting thing. The town plan skinning actually doesn't allow you to build a church in this area. It doesn't allow the law got changed. The day that the law got changed and passed through the city council, they had an agenda. 
as we will have an agenda in our own age year. And the agenda said, point number, I don't know what number it was in it, but this is the order. Approve Champions Lake's request to purchase building to operate it as a religious site. The next item was to approve the new town planning scheme that would have prevented us from ever doing this. The very next, if the order had been changed the other way, there's a secretary somewhere, I don't even know her name. She might be an 18-year-old girl who's just typing away and the forms were coming in and she put it in, in that order. But thank you God for that order. Who can look at your life when you're in that car crash and you live? Who can look at your life and say, you know, I was at that school and that man spoke in my life and you know, deposited some sort of... Who can look at your life and say, God's, God's been there? I haven't always seen it in the moment. But as I look back over my life, there is the evidence that something bigger than me, something invisible is actually guiding my life. If you can say that, then you're in a place of revelation because that means that you can sit here today and say, I'm here on purpose for God's glory for a reason. I may not yet know what it all is, but I know God has destiny and a plan for my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have the band up and we're going to close with a song. One of the things that strikes me is that the world these days is very broken. I don't know if you watch much of the news, but who reckons the world's broken? It's very damaged. Now, the reason why it's damaged is because a number of years ago, um, God actually created the earth and he created it as a good earth. It was planned for um, perfection. You and I were built to live in paradise. We're built to live in a place where there's no sin, no selfishness, no sickness. You and I would do very well in a place called paradise. But we, the only way you could stay in paradise was let God run paradise. But we said to God, actually, we think we can do a better job. We would rather be God for a while. So we actually got involved in a rebellion, kicked God out. And God said, okay, if you want to run the world, you can run it. And we're running the world. And so today, tens of thousands of babies will die of starvation somewhere in Australia. Today, young women will be raped. Today, incredible murders will take place, atrocities, just incredible cruelness across the face of the earth. People blame God. It's a bit unfair because we're pulling the cords. We're actually making the decisions. We are the ones who are in charge of planet Earth. The very fact that you and I have a longing in our heart for a better world, suggests that there is a better world. Thirst points to water. Appetite points to food. You know, sex points to relationship. The fact that we desire a better world points to a better world. Points to heaven. See, otherwise you wouldn't have that desire. See, a dog doesn't sit there think, wishing for a better world. Does he? A, a monkey, a very bright monkey is not thinking about a better world. He might be thinking about better bananas. <laughs> he might be thinking about, you know, a better cage. But he's not thinking of a better... Only human beings are aspirational. Only human beings have a dream. Only human beings want to live in a world where there is love, where there's peace. No one wants to live in a world where there's lying. No one wants to live in a world where there's cheating. No, no 
one actually really wants to live in that world. And God has a plan. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to heal us so that we can heal the world. So as we become whole, as we become healed, we can change the world one life at a time. And that's the plan. So where are you today? Are you still living in the broken world? Or have you come to the place where you can actually say, I've let Jesus heal me, and so now I'm in the place where he can now send me and use me to make it a better world? So if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've not allowed him to come into your life and to heal you, to take away your mess, he's turned you into a mess, you could do that this morning. Just while every head's bowed, just a moment of privacy. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, I want to just give you that opportunity. You're going to have to be a bit brave about it. But most of the people in this room have done that at some stage. They found it to be revolutionary. Life is lived on the inside out. And so if you would like to accept Jesus Christ this morning as your personal saviour, let him come into your life, begin to run it for you, fix it for you, heal you, then I'd love to give you that opportunity. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm actually going to ask you, while nobody's looking around, the saints have got to pray, you just slip your hand straight up in the air and I'll see that. God bless you. Thank you, AJ. That's awesome, mate. You can put your hand down. Is there someone else like to join this young man? Here's a young man had years and years of drug addiction who's just going to invite Jesus Christ to come into his life. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. And so I wonder if you might stand with me. And we're all going to pray this prayer together. We're going to help AJ. So let's pray this together. Dear Father, Dear Father I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. The wrong things that I've said. The wrong things I've said. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. And Lord, now understand I've hurt you. I ask you to forgive me, to wash away all my failures. Come live in my life and make me brand new. Because now I'm a child of God and I'll belong to your family forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give AJ a, a... That's a good thing, mate. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. There is only one song that I want to sing today. It's providential. <laughs> it's happy day. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We do have an AGM starting. Uh, we're going to start at 11.45 because we have guests here today. You may not want to stay for the AGM. It's actually not going to be too boring. Be probably quite quick. I think we'll probably go no more than about 15 minutes, depending. So you're very welcome to stay. There are no secrets. You'd be very welcome to stay. Um, but if you would like to leave, I do understand annual general meetings probably aren't the highest thing on your priority. But uh, for the members, love you to stay. And can you sing a happy song? Yeah. Guys, when you can't see God in it, still there. He's still there. God bless you. Let's do it.
there's a bit more black from this group. Much, much more movements and smiles over here. So we need a bit more black blood in us, I think. So, so. You are dancing too. It's great to have you all in church. Thank you for coming. Uh, today.